Hello, and welcome to Gotta Get Up Out of Your Seat and Pray, a Christian pop-punk reliable album. Uh, we are gonna get out of this town. Hello, I'm Elaine, and with me there is one other person this time. I'm Fletcher, but I actually compose Fletcher, Adam, and the Holy Spirit today. So, there is a bit from the last podcast that I ended up cutting because it was running a bit low, where I'm like, I'm pretty sure Reliant K are not that kind of Christian band. Turns out Reliant K is that kind of Christian band. Like, I I thought it was just like, oh, they're Christians, they're like fairly like, you know, PG in terms of themes, but they're not a Christian Christian band. I was wrong. This album is Jesus City. I knew you were wrong when Focus and the Family was part of their career, but the instant we finished recording, I got the question that I always get from one of my partners after these recording sessions, which is, so what are you doing next week? And when I said, Reliant K, she instantly went, you do not play that around me. They would put that on in entire sessions of youth group. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I told Emily what we were covering and she was just like no they are they are that jesusy they are so jesusy that that was all i heard for some parts of my childhood they are very jesusy so yeah as you may imagine we're, today we're talking about reliant k the anatomy of the tongue in cheek their uh, sophomore record and i like there is no disclaimer for the band this time but i feel there should be like a personal disclaimer here because like I I don't hate Christianity. Christianity is fine. All religions are fine. Uh, Christianity seems to hate... Like, this is going to be like two queer people talking about a Christian band. So uh, it's going to be a bit awkward. You know, the Pope thinks that trans people want to kill God, which, uh, I mean... Sick. We do play a lot of JRPGs. Uh, so, you know, there there is a conflict there. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just like, we're going to be very critical of this album. Uh, this doesn't mean that we are... If if you're like a, one of the sane Christians that don't want to kill queer people, uh, this doesn't mean that we're critical of you. <laughs> and I don't think Reliant K wants to kill queer people. They, in fact, supported a bunch of like uh, gay uh, artists in Christian music. So they seem relatively okay in the context of whatever is happening in America with your religion and shit. So, uh, I don't know. I promise I'll be on my good behavior, but there's definitely gonna be some words. Yeah. Yeah. It's... (laughs) You know, when I started this podcast, (laughs) which at this point is the speech that I give every... Every week. When I started this podcast... Every third week. Yeah. When I started this podcast, I want to talk about nice things. Honestly, fairly, like, uncontroversial things. And now we're talking about religion. Let's just... Yeah, before we start, 
What is your previous experience with Reliant K, if any? Nothing. This one was a blank slate to me. Okay. I I knew one song of them, and I think it's a fantastic song. It's Be My Escape, which, in retrospect, now that I know that they're very Jesus-y, I'm like, is this about Jesus crap? But I really like that song. That song is great. I've listened to that whole album. It didn't stay in my brain. But I remember that song, and I like that song. I like that song a lot, actually. And yeah, I think this will be the conflict. I think they are very good at pop. I think they have a lot of skills in making pop songs. And then you hear the lyrics. And that, mm, that's where the problem comes in. And I think from our discussion prior to recording, we've been saving details, but this record seems very subpar and in that space of Christian-only media mostly being populated by people who couldn't cut it in the general pool and had to self-isolate. Yeah, I don't know. I like this better than a bunch of things that we've talked about. This is better than Sugar Cult. I think I enjoyed listening to the Sugar Cult album more just because there was more weirdness to grasp. We should start talking about how these people came to be. It's gonna be a really, really short talk. Mostly because the most interesting part of this band's history comes after this record, and right now they're just very boring. Let's get into it. Elaine's reference, there is apparently not much about these guys prior to their next record, which is when they break it big outside of this scene specifically. And there weren't a lot of people who were interviewing Christian bands in ways that are easily searchable. I'm sure there might be a flyer somewhere, but we didn't have access to that. Yeah, the few interviews that I quote-unquote found were not like the hosting sites that they were on to died. One of the funniest things that I found was that there was a fan site that was hosted on Angel Fire and moved from Angel Fire being like, oh, if you want to find us, go at this address. And you go to that address and that address is dead. But the original version of that fan site on Angel Fire is still exist. So that's just amazing how resilient is the old internet. At least certain parts of it. But no, there is nothing about these guys around this era that I could find. They start getting interviews in like 2004, 2007. They are formed in 1998 as a trio by then 18-year-old Matt Thiessen, which is the singer with the big, you know, blonde curls, Matt Hoops and Brian Pittman, who are guitar and bass. Eventually, they're joined by their first drummer, Todd Fiascone, and I'm not going to list all of their drummers because uh, Spinal Tap teaches us that drummers just change a lot. Explode. Uh, so yeah, they change a lot of drummers. I'm not going to go through all of them because we'll be here all day. But yeah, they join up at around age 18, start writing songs, start making demos. 
Their name, sadly enough, is not a Simpson reference and comes from a card that they own. It was a Plymouth Reliant K. Plymouth. They changed the spell of Reliant to avoid legal issues. They eventually managed to get their demo tape to Toby McKinnon of the Sea Talk, which apparently is like a big Christian band. I don't... This is like American shit. I don't fuck with this, so I don't know what this is about. Do you know about DC Talk? I can give you a quick crash course in three seconds. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. DC Talk is a Christian rap and rock trio. Oh, no. I'm looking at these three men, and um, I bet you can guess how many of them are black. Zero? Uh one actually oh okay it's interesting to watch their sound evolve just through the names of their things dc talk new thang free at last jesus freak and supernatural okay guess they got really into that uh cw show at the end uh 1998 it would have been when it was starting (laughs) anyhow get that demo tape to toby mckinnon of the free talk which we described uh, he likes their music and signed them to his label, Goatee Records, which specializes in Christian music. So I looked to see if Toby McKeon was the black guy, and no, he's the white one, he is the fedora wearer, and he apparently goes by in their solo phase, Toby Mac. All one word. Oh yeah, I, I ate that burger. <laughs> in 2000... They have a record contract with Goatee, and they start recording. Initially, they just release an EP, but that's quickly followed by their first self-titled full LP. The production is by the Sea Talks guitar player, Mark Townsend. For a second, my wires in my brain were get crossed, and I was like, wait, what the fuck, Devin Townsend produced them? But no, was another Townsend. Less metally one. Pete Townsend? There are a lot of Townsend in music production. A lot of guitar-playing Townsend producers, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I listened to their self-titled record. It's less good than this one, but pretty much the same stuff. A bit harder. Uh, The tunes are catchy. And there is an absolutely awful song named Marilyn Manson, Ate My Girlfriend, which is concentrated Christian judginess masquerading as a funny pop culture reference. I hate that song so much. I listened to that because you shared it, and boy, that that prepared me for they've at least improved. They have improved from that. That whole song is literally like, it's funny because we're referencing Marilyn Manson, but it's like, I left my girlfriend because she is too sinful. And that's just like, I don't want to go near that. Oh, thing! I don't have time to unpack that, and I don't have time to talk about it on this podcast. But we have to, because at least two songs on this record are the same thing. Oh, no. Uh, the record is not a smash hit or anything, but those decently in their scene. So the band starts recording a new release around the start of 2001. This time made of new songs, because most of the songs on their self-titled were from their demos. So yeah, in 2001, they start recording the album that we're talking about today, The Anatomy of Tongue-in-Cheek. Jesus, 
So this album, The Anatomy of Tongue-in-Cheek, will kick off with two singles, Less Is More, which how? God, that is the second most Christian rock track. We're not going to pretend to be anything more than that. And Pressing On, which apparently got a video that I did not see linked anywhere from their YouTube page, where the band struggles to keep their angry punk rock faces on while wearing pink fanny packs. Yep. Apparently, and the entire reason we're covering it, this is such a success that it breaks out of the Christian bubble and pops up its head for a single week at 153 on the Billboard 200 record charts, dooming us to six more albums of Christian rock like a reverse Groundhog Day. Yeah, to be fair, we, are, we will only talk about the album. Reliant K has a lot of music they put out. Is that normal in, like, Christian rock? Do you just shovel out your music? Not all of their stuff hit the Billboard chart, so we're only going to talk about the ones that did. Got it. Yeah, I'm going to just catch you up because you seem less familiar with the evangelical media bubble. Oh, yeah, it's an American thing. I I know the, by fame, but I'm that's not, you know, that's not a thing here. We don't have those cakes here, mate. <laughs> uh, generally, and I'm sure there are a few people in this space who are legitimate, true believers who do not have this sort of cynicism, but a lot of artists in this space become very workmanlike because there is a specific breed of family where they will only choose to consume, and this has been way worsened by the advent of streaming platforms and easier access than things you have to buy at the church gift shop. Uh, only Christian media, only things your pastor would approve of, because Hollywood is sinful and big media is sinful, and so you need to stick to a specific type. And so if you can hit in that scene... You don't have to live up to the quality of Hollywood because these people are going to stay away from actual production or guitars that go over 150 BPM. Or you can just churn out track after track after track. Because if you have more of it, you have a captive audience who are always looking for something new. So if you become a workmanlike artist, you're set. It's incredibly depressing and... We're probably going to deal with some more subtle Christian bands based on a couple of names I recognize down our chart. But there's a difference between a Christian artist who stays in the bubble and a Christian artist who makes it to big actual music chart success. And usually they'll be a little more subtle in the songwriting. You might be talking about a lover and the lover is Jesus. But you don't say the name, you don't call attention, it's just a wink and a nod to the people who are like, oh, yeah. yeah. As I mentioned, even with Reliant K, they will, make, they will do Be My Escape in a couple of years. And that song is great, and I had no idea that they were Jesus-y by just listening to that song, because they're not like, Jesus, I want to kiss you in the song. They are Jesus, I want to kiss you in this record. Oh, this album is incredibly upfront. The success of this record is basically so big, at least in their community, that 
the clothing ban Abercrombie and Fitch, which is apparently known for having controversially sexy catalogs? Uh, the two brands who would be most known for that, Abercrombie continues to exist, but there was a short-lived tire fire of a company called American Apparel that basically won up them. But yeah, Abercrombie and Fitch decides to collaborate with the band for some biking gods in order to win over the conservative market. The band had mixed feeling about it. Frontman Matt Thiessen states that the company was very controversial, which led him to generally never buying anything from them before this. Yeah. But the label ends up accepting the contract without asking the band, as they contractually had the power to do so, which immediately leads to shake fist, cancel culture, Christian association turning and criticizing the band. Because Abercrombie and Fitch is too controversial. So, censorship, cancel culture. Oh, yeah. There is a quote here, and, and you do the quotes, Fletch, because that's, that's your thing. There is a quote by Bill Johnson, the president of, and I didn't know that was a thing, American Decency Association? That sounds like a name from a skit. That sounds like a parody. Okay, so... There's a certain type of name that if you cotton onto the trend, you will always know that they are right-wing groups trying to manufacture outrage. They have a harder time of it these days, but in the 90s, if you had a good-sounding professional letterhead, you could get pretty far. The Million Moms Whatever facebook thing kind of undid that as it revealed how little there were even with spam bots involved you kind of can't gin this up with a letter writing campaign as much as you used to anyhow i am very disappointed and very troubled that a christian band or any group of people that are naming the name of jesus christ in their music and ministry would in any regard feel comfortable aligning themselves with a corporation so blatant in targeting our youth through sexually erotic images it is very troubling to me. I, for one, will be urging people not to purchase their records. They have made a serious error. I love I love that this quote ends with Dave made a serious mistake. That's a very 80s villain sentence. That's a very good way to think of a lot of these groups. But yeah, the promotional campaign actually got off the ground and went on for a couple of months with Reliant Case public statement always teetering between we were never given a choice, but also like, hey, it's cool. They're giving us money. We like them. <laughs> They're always like right there in between. They don't want to be off anyone. Eventually, the Christian Association Focus on the Family uh, just pressures the record label to drop the contract. I will like to mention that as someone who uses uh, Shinigami Eyes, which is a browser extension that, you know, flares up links to, you know, transphobic website, bad website, like shit that you might not want to see. This is the first time that during this research I had a whole bunch of red links. A whole bunch of, you shouldn't visit this website if you want your sanity to remain intact. Oh, you want to go nowhere near focus on the family trust me yeah <laughs> yeah like i said when we were recording last week and i saw that name i instantly knew what we were in for <laughs> uh, this is our life <laughs> this is our life now we've made a habit of this unlike a nun i don't get it a nun's 
costume is called a habit. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pun. No, it was a good joke. I just don't know enough about the stuff. The person who was almost a priest can make some good religious jokes, turns out. All right, let's start this off with, and I still find it funny that we're recording on Super Bowl Sunday, kickoff. second intro track um it's an intro incredibly auto-tuned is it i guess yeah it's it's the only track i could that i could pick it up on but this is very we overdubbed and made them sound harmonious angelic i don't know what they're going for yeah there is a lot of like which i like i don't know i like how they play a lot of with vocal harmonies on this record there is a lot of that, the overlaid voice, vocal harmonies, a lot of production on their voice. I think it sounds good. I like this stuff. I can't fault the production on the vocals. I can fault the production in general. But again, this is a 40-second track, incredibly auto-tuned. Also, just as a note, and this is not does not reflect in the record in any way, just by coincidence, I was before I started listening to this, I was listening to After Hours by The Weeknd, which is an amazing record, but also this was like, hell of a whiplash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Weeknd is one of the farthest bands you can get from Reliant K without being overt satanic black metal. Yeah, but like, lyrically, musically, <laughs> After Hours is like this very moody... Like, dark, and then you go into, like, this upbeat pop-punk intro, and it's just, like, complete whiplash rare. And unfortunately, the single verse that they chant out on this track is very damning to me in hindsight. Here's the kickoff, hope you're not sick of, Reliant K, or all the songs we play, cause then you'll want to throw our CD away. Turns out... But Fletch, you're listening to it digitally. You cannot throw the CD away anymore. No, but I did delete all of this from my YouTube browsing history. <laughs> I don't want what it will suggest me. The ads it was giving me are already pretty wild. We'll get there. And with that, we're pressing on to track two, pressing on. Which is basically Damn It by Blink-22. Seriously, the intro riff is the same thing. There's a few tracks on here that were very, I swear I've heard this doing this show, but I could place them. 
I mean, this, this track specifically, I think, is just like one by one, just Christian Blink. And I don't know, it's not bad. Like, this song is fun. Has a good chorus, the it's going, going, gone bit, fun. Sounds like Blink, but sounds like one of the best songs by Blink, so I'm fine with it. Like, this is a great start to the album. I like this song. It's a good single, and I tried to keep track. We're still in the mask on mode. This is just upbeat pop punk. Yes. This is not a Jesus song at all. Uh, this is just like, uh, you know, someone is annoying me. I'm trying to get my life better song, but without any specific. And no, this is good. It's a good song. I like that the production on this song is a bit rougher, sort of gives it a bit of an edge. A lot of the rest of the record will be very Christian rock. There's a lot of uh, strings and piano, which I actually don't hate, but I like that this song does things a bit differently and it's a bit harsher, it's a bit edgier music-wise. It's a good song, some decent guitar work. It's very tropey, but still done well, done elegantly. I still think the guitar track is reversed for a single part in the first minute. It's so weird and it doesn't come up again. And my biggest issue with this is the last 45 seconds just drag as it does a slow outro. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't. They do a lot of slow outros. They do. I think you could cut this down to your standard pop-punk album and it would be tighter musically. To the length. It's almost an hour. I think that the fact that they're a bit mellower, which... It, it is because they're trying to fit in in that sort of Christian rock demographic, I'm assuming. But taken without that context, I sort of like the fact that they have this mellower bits that sort of gives them a unique edge over all the stuff that we talked about on this podcast. We've heard bands that do slower, better. So to me, this is just no energy when they get draggy. Like the la the first part of this, as you said, solid little pop punk jam, but then it's that last 45 seconds to a minute. It's just slowing down and everything's falling apart. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. I like this song. The main problem with this song is quite honestly just like, if I am in the mood of listening to this song, I foresee no universe in which my brain will not just tell me to listen to Damnit by Blink-182 because they're so similar. Yeah, it's okay pop-punk, but it's not good pop-punk. I think it's good. I just think that it's not... Okay, it's not standout. The problem with this song is most it's doing exactly the Blink thing. I don't think this song, as you say, stand out. I don't think this song is doing anything that different, which other song on the record will. But I think this song specifically is just like a good song that's sort of damned by the fact that it's sort of doing the Blink thing one-to-one. -one. And both in 2001 and in the present, people would probably just prefer to listen to Blink-182. And now on to... The Sadie Hawkins Dance. All the girls in the bathroom talking Who they gonna take to the Sadie Hawkins My ears are burning but I kept on walking A smile on my face and an air guitar rocking The Sadie Hawkins Dance and my khaki pants The 
Oh god, this song is so darky. I sort of love it. It's terrible. I sort of love it. <laughs> so are you aware of what a Sadie Hawkins dance is? It's like a school dance. I, I did a quick Google search about it. It's like a school dance where the girl asks the boys. Again, again, we don't have those cakes here, mate. That's not a thing that I've ever had to deal with, but... That's exactly it. I wanted to know if that was a thing outside of the US. I was pretty sure it wasn't. No. I mean, not in Italy. That's where I had my, 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 you know, my adolescence. I don't know if it was, it is in other parts of Europe. Anyhow, this song is like, I don't know, like teen high school lyrics, and it's so darky, and I, I, I just want to pinch their cheeks. That, this is my reaction from this album. I just want to pinch their cheeks of this boys. This is G-rated horny because it's like... It's not even horny! It's not horny! That's what I mean. It's G-rated because... It, but this is the closest they come is acknowledging the other sex and relationships. They don't really do that anywhere else. No, not really. <laughs> One relationship is with Jesus. But this is where I love the song. This is just like uh, them talking about high school stuff. And it's so clearly... I don't know. There's this whole verse on the bridge... Which is about them going in the cafeteria and, like, sitting near the cheerleaders. And the jock is like, oh, I'm gonna give you a beating. And then they're like, they have a witty, quote-unquote, witty retort. And they run away. And then this girl asks them to the dance. And it's just like, it's so darky. I love this. Okay, this is one of the most mockable songs on the album because... The chorus tells us that our narrator is wearing khaki pants and a sweater. Yes, that's so darky. So basically, your poindexter nerd is the protagonist here. And then there's one verse that is just straight up the and then everyone applauded copy pasta. Uh, sitting in the back of my next class napping, got up, gave a speech, bowed to the clapping told a funny joke, got the whole class laughing, think I got a tan from the light which I was basking. I love this! This is so stupid, I love this! This is pure, unadulterated, like, terrible writing teen school wish fulfillment. It's great! It's funny, but it's also, like, sort of adorable. Have you ever heard Not A Surf's popular? Uh, no. Okay, the band Not A Surf were generally a more indie rock group, but they had one breakout single, which was caused by one of their members of the band finding this old, terrible 50s book in a used bookstore called The Teenage Guide to Popularity. And most of it is just him reading off passages from this. And the chorus is just, you know, I... I'm the head of the star, I'm popular, I've got my own car, over and over. But it's so outdated and insane listening to it, and it became their biggest hit, and they hate it because people will show up wanting to hear it, and they sound nothing like that track. Popular is the satirical version of this song. This is that content played straight. 
Yes, and that's why I like it, because it's so genuine and dorky, and these dudes have not an inch of self-awareness in them, and I sort of love that. <sighs> Musically, this is sort of obnoxious, which is a lot of the music, but I don't know, it's just like earworm me. It's flavor of the week without two-stoned Nintendo. It has things going on for it, like the little falsetto. Oh, 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 it's great. And it's so earwormy. And uh, it's adorable, it's super dorky, and I sort of love this song. They sound like they should be hanging around at the malt shop in Riverdale. <coughs> yeah, not the modern one. Yeah, the original comics, <laughs> not the CW one. Speaking of, let's go down in flames. Okay, so this is where we get, we're not to saying the name Jesus yet, but the mask is slipping. Yeah, but this is actually a critique of Christianity, sort of. Kind of. Plain, they have to have a big exposition speech at the end, because otherwise people might not like them. Uh, but this is kind of a critique of Christianity, or a list of the American Christian culture. This is about, talks about how, like, you know, for a religion that's very about accepting other and being nice to people, a lot of American Christian culture is, like, very judgy and very, like, aggressive towards anything they don't understand. They have two songs on this record about this. And then they do this thing. And then they do the thing that they critique in the song, another song. And that's... Ah. Oh, yeah. This is, like I said, this is the mask slipping. This isn't full-on into Christ Rock territory. You could kind of see a more competent version of this song coming from another band. Someone who's like, yeah, we're faithful, but it's not our identity. It's not all of our band. This could be someone else in the pop-punk space doing this with a little work, but I do give this credit. This is one of the few tracks on the record that starts with any sort of speed from the guitarist before it peters into their usual rhythm. I sort of don't like this musically. Like, I enjoy the fact that this is the one track when they actually have, like, some sort of a point that's interesting. I don't like this musically. I think this has a very developed case of B-sideitis when it just doesn't feel like a polished, finished song. Oh, you mean the album with 18 tracks might have a couple of lit clunkers on it? Yeah, yeah, 55 minutes. I like a bunch of the idea they put in, but it feels like a bunch of parts put together. Doesn't really gel together. Really, just the intro into the rest of it is already such a jarring shift. Yeah, and they don't... Like, again, you can do things with contrasts like this. You can use them, like, to an effect. 
But this doesn't really, this is just like a bunch of parts, a bunch of ideas put together, not really gelling. It's fine. I don't think this is bad, but it just doesn't. There's not Sadie Hawking Dance, which is an earworm, and it's not the first song on the record, which is just a solid pop-punk song. This is like... Mm. It's an incredibly youth pastor vibes, as especially when we have the point, let me pause to clarify, yes. and there's a whole breakdown. So I bet you kids are asking... Why are you talking about this? Why is it? Yeah, I'm part of the problem. Yeah, see, here's the thing. The the bit of the song is just like about, oh, nothing is solved. We just say tisk, 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 and shame, shame, shame. And it's just like, it's a critique. It's a critique of like, you know, a, a certain section of American Christ, Christian culture. And it's fine. But then knowing that that is still their audience and they need to sort of spell it out for them, there is literally the song ends and then there's an exposition at the end. This is just being them like, okay, let's, sorry, let, let, let me explain this. We're not being too hard on you. We are part of the problem too. And yeah, it's really funny to me because I've never heard the song that stops and explains your, the point at the end. This is the first song that I've heard that ever does this. I think I mentioned that on one other record, but I can't remember who, because I know it undercut one track. I think it might have been a Mighty Mighty Boston song, which I'll give them more points to because they are really good songwriters, which Reliant K, let's admit it, they're not. No. So yeah, this was fun. The last bit was funny. It's weird. All right, let's do it. Here's the turn. Track five, maybe it's Maybelline. Have you ever wanted to listen to a, an original sin metaphor through cheesy pop culture advertisement reference? I didn't. Also, this is directly after the track talking about how we need to come together to save people. And then we have things like, it's always the same, gotta find someone to blame, cause these errors that we make. Because we're all human earthquakes. Yeah, we made the hurricane, yet we're not the ones to blame. We point the finger even though it's not polite. I don't know if, yeah, we made the hurricane, it's a global warming reference, or a crazy gay people make natural disaster happen reference. I think it's just saying human error, given every other weird reference in this. Yeah. This song is like, take personal responsibility, young kids, damn it. It's very weird hearing a song like this from a group of 20-year-olds, but... And it's also like an original sin metaphor, which is one of the weirdest shit in Christianity ever, but sure. Look, if you, if you feel like you've been born fucked up and that's something inherent to you, just fucking take hormones. 
You probably just have dysphoria. <laughs> okay. That is a take I cannot come out with, so I'll just leave that one out. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not, but only because this is one of those things. There's a certain genre of podcast joke, which is member of a minority on the cast makes a joke that everyone else around does not know if they can respond to without stepping on a landmine. With comedians, it's generally that one or two of them will be Jewish and they will make a joke and everyone goes, Ugh. in this case, it's as the one non-transitioning person, <laughs> I get to watch my step. Sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is where they come out and just openly talk about the son of God and original sin and we're into Jesus town. The point of the song is like, take up your own responsibility. Accept your, that you have original sin and that you you fuck up sometimes. Which, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad message in itself, but sometimes used in very bad way by people who want to justify horrible shit. They're not doing this now, but I'm always iffy when people write songs about this because it's like, some people take this kind of fine message into really horrible territory. <laughs> There's a line in here, we're hoping two wrongs make a right, which is exactly what this song is. Correct conclusion reached through the most insane logic. Has a nice synth. There's some good synth work on this song. Uh, this is where I started writing down incredibly high school band drum energy on this album. I I don't know. I, I like I I don't have any appreciation specifically for the drum. I think they're just really good at making like earworms choruses because I remember the chorus of this song. Like I can look at these lyrics, but I listened to this three hours ago and I can't conjure the beat of this up. Oh, I'm the opposite. I remember almost every single track from this record. I think they're really good at making catchy melodies. All right, you want to talk about what's exceedingly not catchy? Oh, yeah, why is there next song for minutes? Let's go to Breakdown! Once again, life's told me a curve And it blew up right in my face Once again, life's rattled my nerves Don't you see that I'm stuck in this place? Once again, life's told me a curve And it blew up right in my face Once again, life's rattled my nerves Don't you see that I'm stuck in this place? This. this is like a filler track. It's fine. This is absolutely a filler track. Also, A, VeggieTales covered this song. I actually don't know about what VeggieTale is. I'm assuming it's like one of uh, those Christian cartoons. Okay, so VeggieTales was... I presume you knew about Barney or Booba or various children's shows for the kindergarten age or younger, right? Yes. VeggieTales was an early CG animated series that was designed to be putting the metaphors of Christian stories in front of young children in a way that was cute and not as hellfire and brimstone-y. And eh, it, it exists 
it is far from the worst thing that you could show someone in that space. It had some crossover success because it was just like, hey, don't steal. Be good to the people in your neighborhood and the people in your life, etc. But it's also when they would do movies and things, it would be like, and here's a 90-minute adaptation of Jonah and the Whale with vegetables playing all the parts. Okay, so this is like the cartoons that uh, Rod and Todd watch in the Simpson, basically? Yes. Imagine if reboot-tier animation was just telling you about the Bible through metaphor. Anyhow, this song is 40% breakdown by volume. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. It's too long. <laughs> it's incredibly repetitive. They do a lot instrumentally to make it more varied. They There is a lot of uh, changes in what the guitar is doing, where they keep repeating breakdown, 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 breakdown. And I think that was a terrible idea. It's like, maybe just have the song be shorter rather than try and find about 50 ways to do different things while the singer is repeating the same thing. I think good effort, good effort in trying to make something different while the singer is repeating the same thing, but maybe just make the song shorter, because aside from that, this is a fine filler track. It's just too long. Even then, cut out the actual breakdown in the middle of this, where it slows down, and it's just talking about, no, Satan won't bring me down. I won't break down. It's It just brings everything to a screeching halt. Yeah. This is a this is a weird track. Also, this is the first track on the album in which I got an ad for Pure Flix, which tells me a lot about the demographics of Reliant K viewers on YouTube. Ah, uh, that's not fun. Oh, that's not the worst ad, but that's coming later. Okay, but these ads are not enough. I thought that that's the next song. These words are not enough. Is this a stealth Bond reference? No, because The World Is Not Enough hadn't... Had The World Is Not Enough? I think that was later. You're right, 99. And also I'm pretty sure The World Is Not Enough was previously in Bond movies referenced as the family thing of Bond. But yeah, the movie was out. Uh, I don't know if this is a stealth Bond reference. Given everything else about this band and the fact that so many of their tracks feel like Ready Player One chapter titles? Yes, this is an intentional Bond reference. Uh, this is like Jesus stuff. When they start doing the straight up, this song is about how much we love Jesus song. I don't know how to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, this is the one where we just get out there and it's a legit prayer to God. It is not Sherlock's prayer to God. I lay my life before you, and I'm not getting up. Father, how I adore you. Those words are not enough. Also, gotta love the bridge. Lord, please take my life. Make me your son. Make me your son. <laughs> I feel like non-Christian bands 
would probably avoid any form of please take my life unless they were going for overt suicide reference. Yeah. And that just says so much about the thought patterns of who you expect to hear this. Also, make me your son if not. Look, I know that... We all know the joke. Yeah. You're thinking of the exact same joke I am, <laughs> which is, bless me, father, for I have sinned, is still the same as, punish me, daddy, I have been naughty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about something else, because I have nothing to say about the, the literal, like, Jesus song. This is definitely one of the longest... I think it's the second longest track on the album, and it is the longest if you don't count the fact that the other long one has a bonus track appended to it. But holy crap, I can't tell. So it's if I give them the benefit of the doubt, this song is not meant to be super judgy. But when you say, I lay my life before you and I'm not getting up, these words are not enough, these words are not enough. I can't tell if it's saying you need to do more and not just be a all-prayer-no-action Christian, or if it's just, God, I need to do more for God. I need to do more! I can't tell. I mean, like, in both cases, I think this is... I, I don't think this is judgy in any way, so I'm fine with it. Like, this is not awful. This is them expressing their faith in God. I don't think... Yeah, it's not a thing that I can relate to. <laughs> it's not a thing that I can really, you know, but... It's your religion. It's your... That's fine. You know, I have no particular criticism of this, aside from this is not a thing that I would listen in my free time, but... You know. Well, it's it's sort of like what I said. It's if you're making Christian music for a wider audience or if you're making Christian music for the bubble. If you're outside the bubble and you read lyrics like this and you don't have the all-consuming armor of faith, some of this sounds real weird. Yeah. Yeah. And next up is the sad acoustic jam for Moments I Feel Faint. Now I'm searching for the confidence I've lost so willingly Overcoming these obstacles is overcoming my fears oh, oh. Never underestimate my Jesus You're telling me that there's no hope I'm telling you you're wrong Never underestimate my Jesus when the world around you crumbles, he will be strong. This song is literally don't fuck with me because I have the power of God and anime on my side. Yeah. And I think this is the first track that actually says the name Jesus. Yeah. Unless I missed one. Yeah, I think this is the first Jesus, but now we are in the back half and we are only going to be talking about God. And the election. Okay, yes, that's true. That's true. There's the one track that breaks from that. But at this point, we're all in God's hands. Just the sentence, don't underestimate my Jesus, is sort of funny. Never underestimate my Jesus. Your Jesus, specifically. You're telling me that there's no hope. I'm telling you you're wrong. Never underestimate my Jesus. 
This is the We're Still Better Than Dashboard Confessional song. <laughs> like, this sucks, but I've listened to the Dashboard Confessional record. I'll take this, thanks. Yeah, this is the one where part of it is Jesus is talking to you. I love how this has a string section that's like, you should be moved by this. You should be moved by this. Can't you hear the string? And that's the thing. You'd think this would be moving on its own, but I think someone recognizes, oh, these are not the kind of songwriters who can move you with their words. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I say that they're the Ready Player One Christian band, I also mean it's that they're kind of just playing the hits of the Bible without giving you anything new. The hits of the Bible and of Saturday morning cartoons. You trust in Jesus. That's how this works. Yeah, Jesus. He was there. Remember that time? We're not going to quote any verses, but... Musically, I would call this song competent. I don't think it's good. I don't think, again, something that I will listen in my own time, but... It's, um, it's a slow radio song. It has strings. Uh, I, we've heard the bad version of this musically, which is Dashboard Confessional. Oh, yeah. And this is sort of competent. I, uh, again, that's not enough for making me say, yeah, good, go on. But, uh, like, no song on this record made me go, this is musically garbage. Like, this is not sugarcoat. This is above the bottom of the barrel for me because it is one of the tracks that does something different. That will always beat out the three tracks I can't tell apart from each other. That is fair. I don't know. I'm coming from Sugar Cult last episode, and Sugar Cult was just, like, not pleasant to listen for me. This flows. This is listenable. I would have listened to Sugar Cult again over this if given the ch If you put a gun to my head and made me pick, I would take Sugar Cult over Reliant K. Oh, I disagree. I think Sugar Cult was actively unpleasant to listen to. This is, you know, the lyrics are sometimes funny, sometimes, like, weird, and you can, like, joke about them. Musically, this is fine. Sugar Cult had a lot more energy, and I can remember so much more of that album a week later than I can this. Pretty girl. Oh no! Don't put that. See, in my head. you remember more than you think, because that album got weird with it. <laughs> this album got competent with it. Yeah, but that's the problem. If the best you can do is competent, all that means is mediocre. Speaking of mediocre, let's talk about what is probably the worst track on the album for me: Lion Wilson. I feel we should talk about the next two tracks as one track. I was going to suggest the same. Lion Wilson and the track after that, I'm Lion, are pretty much a track, a single track. Lion Wilson is an intro. Yeah, Lion Wilson is basically just an intro skit for I'm Lion. So this, yeah, again, fucking darks. They made a song about the Thundercats, that's a thing. Yeah. I never watched Thundercats. When I found out what Lion Wilson was... I got even angrier at it, because at first it was just, 
I'm in acapella hell were my notes. And then I found out it's them doing the guitar riff from the next track, I'm lion done in a Brian Wilson delivery, thus Lion Wilson. Yes, I think that's a... Uh, Cursed. Interesting thing to do. Uh, they are dorks. They're making a song about the Thundercats. I don't know enough about the Thundercats. They're one of those cartoons that were like meant to sell toys to the generation before me. I was the generation who got sold toys by Pokemon and Beyblade and uh, and Dragon Ball Z. My toys weren't sold to me by the Thundercats, so I have no nostalgia for it. I think even in 2001, it was extremely uncool to think about the Thundercats. Exceedingly. And this sort of rules. I really like the vocal harmony on this song, and I love, again... I am a sucker for a band being, like, dorky, but not in a commercial way. Because, again, this isn't going into any cultural zeitgeist that could be there in the 2000s. It was namely extremely uncool singing about Thundercats in 2001. And I can appreciate someone just basking in the darkness. Okay, I will disagree because this is exceedingly uncool and I cannot stand that it is just listing off details from the show and then going Thundercats oh Thundercats over and over and over these these are actual verse I'm gonna read some of these lyrics this is peak Ready Player One shit on this album Chillin' at the lair, snarf me and the twins. My favorite feline is the one who wore cheetah skins. Fighting evil, we drink milk and purr a lot. Ask me to cross them and I would say I'd rather not. Ugh. It's awful and I love it. The best part is where they go into a dark and sad, like, Linkin Park sounding bridge, but the lyrics are about Thundercats and I out loud laughed at that part. I don't think it was intentional for that part to be funny, but just the sheer contrast of what they were doing musically and what they were singing about just got me. I hate this. So, lyrics aside, this is a good song. Or at least this is something that, that's my shit. It's just, like, lots of vocal harmony, lot of pop energy. This is fun. Would I rather this not be about Thundercats? Probably. I would be, I I would rather this be about, you know, something that uh, non-cats people can relate to. But no, this is fun. This is just like music. This is a fun song. I love the vocal harmony. I think they have a good production on this and it's catchy. I told you earlier today, and I'm going to repeat it for the listeners, that I actually had to stop listening to this album after this song. And... The thing I used as detox was Faith No More's We Care A Lot, which is the same thing that you're just saying here about it's a celebration of nostalgia and the things that they were geeking out about, but it has a beat and it has a little bit of teeth to it where it's talking about some of the things that, yeah, this is a big toy commercial, and it also has better lyrics than screaming, I'm lion-o, I'm lion-o, I'm lion-o, over and over and over and over. 
They made a song. I don't think you'll ever have to argue with me about Faith No More being a better band than Reliant K, but I still like this song. I don't cringe when I hear this. Again, I just feel like I want to pinch their cheeks. They're so darky and adorable. Oh. <sighs> All right. All right. I got that off my chest. Everything's uphill from here. Too bad we're about to go into the second worst track on the album. What have you been doing lately? Oh, uh, yeah. What have you been doing lately? Your luck could use improving greatly. Just wanted to know what's going on. Put everything that goes is going wrong. What have you been doing lately? Your luck could use improving greatly. I just wanted to know what's going on. Put everything that goes is going wrong. When I saw Justin, he said he was Justin. You know, when you were listening to Goldfinger, were you ever like, oh, I wish this had, like, a very big, judgy Christian energy? I wasn't. <laughs> Never. Uh, I thought of this as, this is a Christian 88 lines about 44 women. This is Christian ska. It wishes. All right, so they talk about, in a very slow, repetitive, Reliant K fashion, two whole people who after high school, went off and didn't be Christian. But the way they talk about these people is so shitty, and it's hilarious how they try and sell these people's fall from grace. So th there are two things about the song. One, there are near to no details about why these people are bad, which on one side is probably for the better of the song, because... The few details that they give are just like, uh, really? That is what is bothering you? Like, he parties Fridays through Thursdays, but not for birthdays. He acquired the taste for Miller Lite. To be fair, that is a sin. And I think there is literally no detail on why the second character, which is like a, a woman, is evil. Her emotions, they can't cope because she lost all hope. She can see right from wrong rationality left her or shrunk with her sweater she's a fanatic she's over the edge she needs a lemon pledge to clear those cowwebs from her actics basically it isn't telling you what's wrong with her it's just like woman bad woman bad it is if you read between the lines because it's she didn't give herself to jesus and now she has mental illness oh uh, yeah that's what that whole thing is that's why they're talking about you know She's toys in the attic. She is crazy right there. Yeah, but th that's what I'm saying, right? It's for the best that they have, didn't actually give any details on why these people are bad. But if you don't read between the lines, this is just like, okay, these, are, these people are bad because you say so. And then they got super judgy, like, pardon me while I throw up. I guess some people never grow up. Like, shut up, you fucking asshole. Yeah, this is the judgiest song on the album, and it's, again, this is just ugly in ways that you can really only get out of someone who does not expand their circle beyond anyone like-minded in that specific breed of Christianity. Also, this is where I got the worst ad 
and I really don't know what the algorithm thinks about Reliant K fans. Because I got an ad that was saying I could be a guinea pig for God in trying to stop the COVID-19 virus. What? Sorry? Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> like, to put this into perspective, I got Pure Flix, which is the Christian streaming service that is hard right, and an ad multiple times, which was talking to me about how I should just stick things inside me to test vaccines for God, my faith would protect me. To be fair, a lot of places on the internet will tell you to stick things inside of you. It's true, and occasionally I get that, but usually not on YouTube. Let's go to the worst title on the album, if not the worst song, May the Horse Be With You. All in favor, all in favor, say hey. We like the flavor, we like the flavor of hey. We're gonna praise all of our days Until they take us away and turn us into glue Like Mr. Reynolds said, may the horse be with you Yeah, I don't know why this song is a thing. It it's like a pun. It's like may the force be with you, but they're singing about a horse, and there's like all in favor say nay because horses nay. Is 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 the horse Jesus? That's the thing. If this were a donkey or a few other types of animal, I would see the Christian symbolism. I don't know about the horse. I think this is just like a thing like I am Lionel. This is like a dumb joke, but where I'm Lionel, I like, I don't know, it's a fun song and like, it's not great lyrically, but it's about something, you know. It's clearly about like, you know, something they're nerds about and that's understandable. This song is just, it, this song feels like they have some kind of in-joke between them about a horse or something. And they're just made a song about it, but we don't we don't have the cultural context of their social circle to understand the song. So it's just weird. Do you think this is the only way the members of Reliant K could find to process the Mr. Hands video? Because it was 2001. Where is Mr. Hands? Oh, you don't know. I don't know. Mr. Hands is a video that around this era was the name given to a guy who got fucked to death by a horse. Oh, I don't want to watch that, no. Thank you. Oh, yeah, this is the song that sort of sounds like a Beach boy vintage rock thing. It's not great at it. It just made me want to listen to the bets. This is the one point in the album when I just went and listened to something else because I didn't understand the song. Yeah. All right. Now let's get on to... The weirdest track on the album, My Way or the Highway. Life's 
Oh, the election song. So, are they pro-democracy? Yeah, um, no, I really don't know what this is, because as they're saying, we've got to guide a really thick handbook. No one's around to help you decide. So, I can't tell if it's saying you should vote your way and make a decision, but one of them will send you to hell? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what they're saying. Or if it's just, well, maybe you shouldn't vote at all because we've got a book that tells us how to live no matter who's in charge. To me, this feels very much like vote for the right one, except that, as the listener will not have heard, because that whole bit will be cut, I thought that 2001 was the election year in America, which wasn't. So I don't know what this song is about. I thought this was specifically a song about an upcoming election, but it's not. We had one, but it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't that major. Also, are they are they actually Canadian? Also, yeah, I guess they are Canadian, so I don't know why they're throwing around songs about the American election. I didn't vote, so I'm not proud because I'm Canadian and I'm not allowed. It also makes it really weird that they would be singing in what is a very American style of Christianity so hard, if any or all of them are Canadian. Oh, Matt Tinson is a Canadian-American musician. Yeah, I guess part of his family is from Canada. All right. Well, weird flex, but okay, as the kids say. Yeah, I didn't catch it the first time I did research for this. Now, that said, definitely have to call out that that is one of the most cowardly ways to avoid giving a take at all is to say, well, I shouldn't tell you how to vote because I can't do that. Pick a side, bitch. But it also says, like, oh, one of the ways that you will vote will send you to hell. So I don't know what this song is about. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be pro-democracy at all. I, I, it's, I think it's about vote. Like, again, my feeling on this is that it's about voting for the quote-unquote right guy. But... Uh... Also, we should probably talk about the very strange intro, which doesn't come up at any other point. Oh. Should I start this song off with a question, or should I say what's on my mind? Add a cello here to add sad impression, because I'm not looking forward to leaving my friends behind. Okay, first of all, love the fourth wall breaking. Love that you say add the cello to add a sad impression, and the cello pops up. That's cool. I like yeah. this shit. Uh, second of all, this feels like the intro to the political correctness song by sr 71 that song didn't have an intro but this feels like they're going to drop some really awful shit and they don't after that yeah but like it has a very like uh people don't like me will not like me because i say the truth and then at the end they start repeating the same chorus over and over and over again but with a backing track chanting along we wonder why you're not cut and dry. Choose our side and live or their side and die. I don't know. It's not well written enough for me to understand what they're going for, which sort of says it all. Oh, uh, hey, good morning, Tiffany. Uh, hey, you know what? I just wanted to thank you for this amazing breakfast. Uh, the scrambled eggs and cinnamon toast... Mmm, delicious. Anyhow, we have a skit next, and I... Oh. This is What If Made the Horse Be With You was a skit. It's another joke that is just not... 
I don't get. Like, I get that the joke is like, it's not breakfast as Tiffany, it's breakfast as at timpani, like the drum piece. Fuck this. Fuck this so much. Why? Why is my question? If this weren't 22 seconds long, this would be the worst track on the album. Because you just hear breakfast sounds for about 15 seconds, and then someone goes, Oh, good morning, timpani. Hey, uh, I just wanted to thank you for this breakfast. And then you hear a timpani sound, and it cuts. Fuck off. The whitest skit you know. Yeah, it's another one of those things where, like, I get the pun, but why? (sighs) All right. Let's get on to the much worse version of Breakdown. The rest is up to you. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know what you've been through. But there's only so much one can do. And now the rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. This is insufferable, and it starts off with the line, I was just about to quote Mark Twain when I realized that it's all in vain. A twist of fate, a look of pain, to defeat the wheat and go against the grain. I only wrote, I just wrote filler track on this. This is the point in most of the records where I start losing attention. It doesn't help that this record is 55 minutes long, so by this point I was just like... Yeah, you know, my brain was sort of floating. This is one of the longest tracks on the album, and yet again, it's one where they do not trust their audience enough to get the very blatant message. And so one of the final bridges of the song just goes, hey, put down your burdens, crucify your doubts, and just reach out. Reach out to Jesus. Embrace him. Cool. That's it. Like, you wrote the whole song, and then you just said it in 30 seconds. Why did you waste my time? This is exactly... If it hadn't started out with that opening bit about, ah, Mark Twain, it's all in vain, I would probably have come in less angry on this. But just throwing up a middle finger when you write like this is completely insufferable. Okay. (sighs) Next up is failure to excommunicate. This is another sort of we're trying to criticize Christian culture in America, but not really. Well, this and the last track are both the paradox of American Christianity. And I don't know how much you deal with this. This is infuriating to someone who has been in this scenario. 
which is that the American Christian, and I mean this as a very specific breed, I do not mean to be American and Christian means you believe this. I have known very rational people in my life. But the American Christian believes that they are both loved and the chosen of God and live in a nation that must obey those laws despite the fact that there was a separation of church and state enshrined to prevent the Church of England, and also that they are constantly under assault and their freedoms are being eroded despite the fact that they have a voice 90% of the time and are some of the loudest, most powerful people in our society. And they never put two and two together because that would be forced to confront that maybe their life sucks because of the same people who are telling them to go against everyone else. See, I I think that's definitely a reading that you can have this. Uh, but especially with the line, like, which is a terrible line, by the way, but they have this line which is like, he finished the racism before he reached the start. It does feel like they're criticizing, you know, Christi- a lot of the American Christian culture for, like, being shitty to other instead of, uh, you know, being nice to other, which is sort of the one ethos that Christianity should have, should have. well, that Christianity technically has, which is be nice to people. And I don't know. I think you could read it either way. I didn't read it as a, we are the ones that are oppressed. That wasn't my reading of it, but I can definitely get that there is a culture of that that you described, and this could play into that. Okay, but the first verse is what cinches it for me. It's the principle, it's the issue, that your principle would dismiss you because you don't fit into that all-American box that Coffin created for creative thought. It's basically the 2000s right-wing pan that, clearly, because we can't pray in schools, we Christians are persecuted. Yeah, but it's also because you don't fit into that all-American box. And when I think about all-American box, I think about Christianity, right? That's like the American thing. So that's sort of the line that makes me think maybe it's not about that, but I don't know. But it's saying that the schools are basically, quote, a coffin for creative thought. Mm. Yeah, you're you're probably right. You know more about this than me. That's why this makes me so mad. And it's it's basically just, well, clearly the judges, uh, activist judges, his gavel's gone down before he looked in your heart. He finished this racism. Calling Christians a race to be persecuted against. I don't know. Yeah, probably. My reading wasn't that. I thought they were just, you know, I don't know. Okay, here's the line that's... No, you're probably right. I'm I'm reading. You saw the same line I did, huh? I'm mostly seeing how the whole song is spoken in second person. It's like the, the word keeps you at arm's length. You are... You are the one, you are, yeah. What's that one end with? You know it's the world versus Jesus and you. <laughs> yeah, I've found that WWE episode with Shawn Michael and Jesus versus, versus the McMahons. Yeah, uh, Jesus refused to tag in and Shawn Michaels really took a beating. That was a real thing. God and Shawn Michaels versus the McMahons. But like, yeah, this song is so insufferable because it is that paradox to think that you are the most persecuted, that anti-Christian racism is a real thing that exists. You know what's really funny about this song, though? 
hit me. The extremely Christian music voice on Jesus loves the outcast. This is some Sum 41 nasal read on the chorus. Also, yeah, I, I would agree that Jesus loved himself so Mandriti 3000. <laughs> like I said, these last two combined made me very angry in a way that I was trying to keep off the show, but ugh, you know it's the world versus Jesus and you. <sighs> One track from the end made me put this down again when I was taking notes. You tell me, you tell me they improve, and I look forward to seeing what that looks like. I'm gonna correct you here. I told you that they did one song that I really like. <laughs> okay. Well, you say it comes later, so I'm curious to see if maybe all the controversy around this album in this time period mellows them out some. I, 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 you can go and listen to it now. It's Be My Escape. It has a wonderful piano part, and it's... Now that I know that they're Jesus's, I'm like, oh, this is probably about Jesus, but it's not... It's not this stuff. <laughs> It's about Jesus, but it's not about Jesus. Yeah, I get it. Oh no, <laughs> we're being bigoted against Christians. Like, you can be into Jesus, but you don't have to do it in my face. Just just be about Jesus in your home. Have you tried just not being Christian? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. Let's just have some fun with these. We've both heard them. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the next track. I think we, we want to finish this. All right, let's go to the last but not last track. Less is more. Jesus, I pray, take all my mistakes, throw them away, destroy them for my sake. Jesus, I call out cause I'm sorry. So short of your glory to the best of my ability I'm practicing humility. Uh what is the song again? <laughs> uh it's the one that starts with Jesus I pray, take my mistakes, throw them away, destroy them for my sake. Weird rhyme scheme. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, this is this is a standard Christian rock track that if you have ever heard one of those stations in your city, you know what this sounds like. Also, musically, this is the weakest song on the record. I think this straight up sounds like a... It's so slow. This just sounds like a church song, which... Look, nothing against churches and church song, but they're not the height of like musical... I disagree. <laughs> churches is some of the best band out there. Thank you. Thank you for making the joke that I should not read. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, no. This song is every stereotypical Christian rock song you can think of, especially in that the very first word is Jesus' name. We get into every metaphor you have heard every hacky Christian artist used. You, I pour myself out all that I am. You love me so much that you fill me again. It's really funny if you imagine that being read in a Popeye voice, actually. At the end of the day, 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 at the 
there are two bonus tracks which you could get at the end of this song. And I think we each got a different one. Yes, like Pokemon. And now we can train them. So the, the, the one that you listened to was the original one. And in further re-releases, it was uh, replaced with the one that I got. So the one that I got, which is the most recent one, and I'm going to just go first because it's really, it's, it's a very nothing song. It's like the ballad of Tim Eddings. And it's sort of, I, I don't know how to describe it. it. So my description that pops up in my brain, and I don't know how accurate that is, but this is what my brain is telling me, is that this is gold prospector music. And I don't know what that means, but that is what how I would describe this. It's extremely nothing. It's just a couple of lines of text. At the end of the day, we're kind of busy writing here. Cross your fingers and say your prayer. It's a nothing song. It's a it's borderline a skit. So the other track, Skittles and Combos, is very much in that vein, but taken after everything that comes before it. I did actually laugh when I was expecting to get mad. You just suddenly hear this piano start playing. This is a song about the two loves of my life. And then he starts playing. So this is how the story goes. Want everybody to know. We love Skittles and Combos. Bring some to our next show. And the whole thing is them writing about these snack foods it's the same tone they've been using for the Lord <laughs> this whole time. And it's like, deny us combos, refuse us Skittles. I admit those words hurt a little. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly funny. And it did put a smile in my face at the end of it. As an actual joke, this is a nice closer. I really want to know if the reason this was removed for future printings is that they just name drop major brands or if it's because a song that seems so tongue in cheek and is just kind of making fun of the tone they talk about things in got them a little flack from their crowd. I think it's probably the the brand thing. It probably is, but boy, I, I like to think it's a little combination of both because this made me actually laugh. <laughs> This is a little song about the two loves of my life. <laughs> it's a little song about the, uh, the two loves of my life. So this is how the story goes. I want everybody to know. Love Skittles and combos. To bring some to Onyx Show. Down to our toes, we love Skittles and combos. So if you wanna see our faces glow, well, this is the record. <laughs> We've got through this. This was the record. Oh, uh, it's ah, final thoughts, Fletch. <laughs> Did you enjoy the extremely Christian rock pop punk record? I okay. I again. The first half of this album is at least different and distinct in a way that I had no beef with. 
and I was getting a little hopeful with, yeah, some of the tracks about, hey, no, but seriously, y'all, we're we're not supposed to be stabbing each other in the back, doing the Christian firing squad thing. Come on, let's work together. And then that back half just plummets off a cliff between the skits and the insufferable pop culture stuff and that two string of tracks. Woof. This got me uniquely heated in a way I do not usually get for the show because I can hear bad music. Mutual friends of ours send me bad music regularly because they know, yeah, uh, Fletch will at least have something incredibly stupid to say at the end of this. It'll be worth it. This is infuriating music on a lot of levels. I don't think I hated it as much as you did. Uh, it's a competent record. I think there are a couple of good tracks. They have a good year for like pop melodies and pop structure. The first two or three tracks are the best on the record. The rest is sort of just competent. Uh, I just, you know, aside from the couple of tracks that I'm really like, just yikes, right? The one where they get super judgy and I'm not into that shit. When they get really Jesus-y, it's just not a thing that I can relate to. And, like, there are a lot of things that I cannot relate to, but I can get the emotion behind it. And when they get, like, there's a lot of just, like, a couple, two, three, four, specifically, like, this song is literally just, like, I love you, Jesus. And it's just, like, I don't... I don't know. Yeah. It's just, like, that's not for me. That is not... And some of it's just outright hateful. Also, like, there's a lot of wiles on this record. Like, if this record wasn't Jesus-y, the big thing that we will be talking about is, like, that fucking horse truck. Why? That's uniquely weird, though. I like uniquely weird. That was a nice little gem in the middle. I just, uh, it wasn't a gem for me. I just didn't understand it. Like, I get the pun. It's also very brief. I don't know. This record is not a disaster. I think this record is like 2, 2.5. It's, if you're a person that's searching specifically for some music that can reflect your fate, uh, listen to the Manton Goats. But also, like, you're probably fine with this. I don't know. This is fine. Here's the thing. The type of person who goes to Reliant K willingly would find the Mountain Goats to be hellish because of the overt darkness and pain in the lyrics. They made a whole record that all the title of the songs are Bible verses. It has a song about ghosts. It's really good. But it has actual emotions that are not upbeat, happy illusions. And that's too much for someone who thrives on a diet of Reliant K. Good news. Next week, we're actually going to be Atomics by Lit. Yes! 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 I was waiting for this. And I'm looking at the singles on this, and I remember all of these. So this should be interesting. I regret to inform you the straights are at it again. Oh, boy. Merlit, the, the murderer people. Sure. Less problematic than us talking about this stuff. It's sort of wonderful how I'm looking forward for, uh, for a less problematic episode when we talk about a band that literally murdered the person. Do you have anything you want to recommend people listen to instead of Reliant K? Uh, I mean, I think recommending After Hours by the weekend might not be the best for a Christian audience. Um, 
So give me a second. Let me look at my radio music. I'm going to recommend that every single Reliant K kid listen to The Weeknd and just really get filthy with it. Watch the videos, too. Have some fun with it. Uh, I'm going to actually recommend a record that we're going to listen on the show in a bit that I've been really getting into lately. Uh, Got to recommend The Ataris with So Long Astoria, which is a wonderful record about summer and being a teenager and growing up. And it's nothing particularly, like, it's nothing exceptional, but it's just, like, good summery pop-punk, like mid-tempo rock with some really serviceable lyrics of what it's trying to be, and it's just like really a feel-good record. I started listening to this because I was like, I need something to pull me up after having listened to Sugar Cult, and I remember liking this record, and I was right. So long a story, in 2003, it will probably like a year from now, we'll talk about it. Also, that's around the time the first Rock Against Bush comes out, and I am going to make us do a bonus episode on those. You are, you are, and I am very afraid. I am very afraid. I rebought those. I will rip them and send them to both of you. Yes, that will happen. I, I will not try to stop you, but I'm also very afraid. Also, we can probably make those into like two weeks worth of content because they're so long. Same song, different chorus. So this was the episode. You can find us at getoutofthistown.com, our super sweet website. Um, you can mail us at getoutofthispodcast. You can mail us at. <laughs> you can you can mail us. You can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. And you can add us on Twitter at G-G-O-O-T-T Podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play. We are not on Pure Flix, but we're looking into how to get there. You will never get on Pure Flix if I'm here. Uh, you can rate and review us if you're on iTunes, if you're on Stitcher, and if you're on whatever thing allows, uh, allows you to rate and review us. Please give us good ratings. Please. Please. Thanks. Uh, Next up, as we mentioned, we're going back to Lit. That's going to be exciting. Do you have anything to plug, Fletch? You can find all my works at hellscaper.com. <laughs> and you can, as always, find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon. But in addition to listening to us, you may now praise us as your almighty. Good night. See ya. I've got the time to stick around I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket And get out of this town What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down Let's terrify I, I, I really thought that their name was like from Which probably was after their time But that uh, wonderful bit in the Simpsons Where Barnes is starting a religion And it's just like now we just need a logo. I'll draw the special K, and it's the Kellogg's logo. Yeah. Sadly, it's not. It's... Sadly, no. Although, if you want things more in that vein, 
Find a copy of The Road to Wellville and enjoy. Anthony Hopkins is basically playing Mr. Burns in that movie. Oh, that's neat. It's based on the actual Kellogg and the story of how Cornflakes came about through mental illness. Oh, well, that sounds supremely interesting. I will definitely check it out. But... Uh, Kellogg was an insane man. Yeah, didn't they invent corn... Was that before Kellogg? Because cornflakes were invented because people masturbated too much. Yes, that was because of Kellogg. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's the story. (laughs) I really want to watch this thing now because that sounds supremely interesting. Uh, I'm pretty sure the reason that it's so hardcore out of print is because the Kellogg Corporation still exists and would like you to forget their creator's peccadillos. It's a very good movie. Your president, he don't know, we talk shit about him, he's too stoned, he used drones, I wish that I could make him see, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, he's the puppet of Dick Cheney, na-na-na-na. That's the, that's the worst <laughs> bit I've done in ages. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Never need a Jesus, I'm what a Jesus need. Trying to find the one that can fix me. Jesus. I've been dodging death in the six feet. Jesus. Now my stomach feeling sickly.